All right, welcome to Rise to Liberty. And just to let everyone know, uh, because of the uh, topics we typically cover, the guests that we typically have, we always run the risk of uh, being deplatformed out of the digital public square, thanks to uh, you know the big tech overlords. So make sure to check us out at risetoliberty.com slash links, and that's where you can find everywhere we are on the internet. Uh, this evening, I am joined by Jenny Stoker, who is running uh, for school board in Davis County, Utah. How's it going tonight, Jenny? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, this uh, is rather important to me, talking to uh, people running for school board, um, really any position, uh, it's especially nowadays, but uh, school seems to be a really hot button issue for most people. Um, so do you want to kind of introduce yourself and uh, why you decided to run for this position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of jumped in the deep end. I um, got really concerned when I had pulled my kids from school uh, the, that 2020, 2021 year um, because I didn't want them masked all day. And I, I didn't want them used as political pawns, which is how I felt our kids were being used at that time. Um, and so I pulled them from school and with the help of some really good friends who had already been homeschooling, I realized how much wasted time is, is that my kids have in school with just busy work. Um, and their play, their recess and playtime is decreased all the time or they lose it if they're not behaving. And just the arbitrary rules that come along with school that don't make sense. And so that made me really start thinking about what's going on. So I started looking into a few more things and then I realized um, things like standardized testing just is not very helpful for kids. It doesn't really tell you how a kid is doing and it's more for funding purposes. I, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm always told those standardized tests really help the teachers know uh, where to help the kid. And I, and I started thinking, well, how did they do it before these standardized tests when we were kids? Well, the teachers just knew us because we were with them several hours a day. They knew where we struggled. They knew where we were successful and they didn't need a standardized test to with these graphs and, and reducing us to data points. And so that's where I kind of got into it. And, um, and then just looking more into how the district is run and seeing how it's just, it just seems as it seemed as though there were so many unnecessary positions at the district level and uh, wasted money, wasted funds for uh, special interest projects that, again, weren't helping the teachers. They weren't helping the kids. It was it was just kind of almost like a virtue signaling, like, look at what we're doing. Look at this program we have. And where all these dollars could go directly into the classroom, they're now being flittered away on these special interest programs. Anyway, so I just, um, it really concerned me. I, we moved here to Utah several years ago and I was so excited about my kids' school. It, their school in Georgia was not 
the best. Um, they always had good teachers, but the again, the administration, I did not feel like supported their teachers and definitely did not support parents. Um, and so when we moved here and my kids' school just seemed like a magical place with super involved parents, an amazing PTA, uh, the administration was so loving and caring and their teachers were just amazing. And then it just all came crashing down. And um, I was very heavily involved at my kids' school with PTA and volunteering and subbing. And, and, again, and then I also noticed through working at the school, just how much screen time was spent by our kids. Uh, every class, like every kid had their iPads and um, all these platforms on the iPads. And then I look more into that and find out that a lot of these companies that we contract with sell our kids data. Um, it's just, it just seems like there's a lot of stuff under the surface that parents aren't aware of. It's presented in such an amazing, um, aesthetically pleasing way to parents that we just little by little give up any control we have over our kids' education. And now it seems as though teachers are also losing their teaching ability um, and being reduced to IT support in our classrooms. And they aren't given very much latitude. They're told these are the, these are the, this is the curriculum you have to teach. This is the way you have to teach it. And there's no creativity. Our amazing veteran teachers are leaving in droves because they feel like they, it's not the same. They can't teach anymore. And um, yeah, so that's, those are some of the main reasons I got into it. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago that I was, I was in school and I, I was in elementary school when um, there was the big push for no child left behind. And ever since then, it seemed like they were, they really doubled down on that standardized testing and really, I mean, beyond the funding, I don't see the purpose of it. Like you said, uh, that's pretty much what it's for. It's not for the kids. Right. Uh, and it, most of that funding doesn't even go to the teachers. No, I mean, it doesn't go directly back into the classroom. Um, and just along those lines, like no child left behind. I've now seen so many kids that get just pushed through the system because no child left behind. Whereas it used to be, look, you did not meet the standards. You have to repeat this grade. And that was a real concern for kids. When I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, you did not want to repeat a grade. You did not want to be that kid. And so it pushed you to work harder and do better. Um, I had someone point out, well, if we do that, then we're going to have 20 year olds in second grade. And I said, well, obviously kids will have to age out of grades, but at that point it's the parents' responsibility to find them a new source of education other than the public sector. Because like I said, the public school system has gradually decided that they are the parent. They are the ones who um, must teach the kid how to think and feel about everything, teach them about all the social issues, teach them about um, any, anything and everything you can think of. Any topic, no topic is off limits at public, in public school anymore. 
Um, there's nothing that belongs to the family. There's nothing that belongs just to, for the parents to um, teach their children. And, and I just feel like we've gotten so far past any personal responsibility. And I want to get back to that. Yeah, that's, that's something that's really interesting. Cause I I've actually talked to people, not, not even just parents, but some just regular people who genuinely feel that it is the school's responsibility or the teacher's responsibility, the government's responsibility to teach these children this because there's the possibility that the parents might not. And I don't understand somebody's uh, train of thinking to think that that is an acceptable position to take. Uh, it, I, I don't get you're, it. You're totally right. Yeah, I don't understand that line of thinking either just because I can't think of a single thing that the government has control over that operates efficiently or does well. And um, I always tell these people who say things like that, well, there's some kids whose parents just don't do that. I said, it still isn't the government's job. It just isn't. Regardless of if some parents do or some parents don't, still not the public school system's job to teach certain things. Um, the pub, this school system is there to teach children uh, critical thinking skills and reading, writing, and arithmetic, and that's basically it. And that, and we've, like I said, uh, it's become so bloated. Just like every government agency out there, every everything run by the government becomes very, very bloated with um, unnecessary stuff, and it just gets very cluttered and convoluted and you eventually completely lose sight of what the original thing was supposed to be, the original goal, uh, is to make sure our kids know how to read, know how to write, can do math so that they can hold the job, um, teach them that it's, that they are going to fail. You know, not every kid, we're so concerned about this, everybody they say everyone needs an equal opportunity. That's great. Every kid does. Every kid, every kid is allowed to go to public school. But you can never ever guarantee an outcome because whatever we think, we are different. We are all individuals. We have different strengths and different weaknesses. We can't guarantee the same outcome for everybody. So all we can do is give them the same opportunity in school to come in, hear the same lessons as everybody else, and be taught by the same teachers as everybody else and succeed or fail. And that's, and that's life. Um, but like I said, we're so concerned with everything else and, and our teachers and administrators are trained like, Hey, we can't just focus on academics. We have to focus on the whole child. Well, in my opinion, that's not your job. Yes. We need to, teach the kids, you know, don't be mean to each other. If they're being mean in the moment at school, that's obviously a teaching lesson in that moment. But to have a complete curriculum where we sit the class down and teach them feelings or how to feel about something, kids don't understand that. They don't understand subjective thinking. And so unless it's in the moment, the kid, it's not going to register much um, with the kids. One of the things that has 
really hit hard recently is uh, the curriculum of SEL, which is social emotional learning that our district has adopted and feels like it's their responsibility again to try to be the therapists of our kids and they're not trained for that. Our teachers are trained to be teachers. They're not trained to be trauma therapists or therapists in general. And they shouldn't have to. They're they're not getting paid enough to do that. And excuse me. Um, about 13 schools, elementary schools in Davis County have now eliminated at least one of their recesses for their fifth and sixth graders so that they can do these SEL lessons. And sorry, I need to drink water. No, you're you're totally fine. Um that's that's incredibly shocking to hear. Um I, I mean, once you start delving into emotions of children, that sounds a little brainwashy and yes, that exactly. makes me uncomfortable. Um, I mean, first of all, who, who is there to guarantee that this teacher is stable enough to be talking about emotions in the first place? It, that that's one of my major concerns. Exactly. And there, and none of the teachers are trained, um, for this. It's just, they are give, like I said, they're given a curriculum and they teach that specific curriculum to our children. And this curriculum is coming down from uh, corporations and uh, federal companies that do not have your children's best interests at heart. They want your kids to think and feel a certain way and respond in a certain way to social situations, to different social situations. And they don't want the parents having anything to do with teaching their kids right from wrong. They want it to all be in-house. They want it to be um, dealt with in the schools. And, and I totally agree. We have, as parents, we've dropped the ball. We, we completely have. Over the last few decades, we have completely trusted that our school systems have our kids' best interests at heart. And I'm sorry, but they don't. They have a they have an agenda, and that's not um, to educate your children the way you think they're being educated. Um, so. We as parents, and then that's the thing. It's like, I, I wanted to stop just being, you know, the keyboard warrior on social media, just fighting with people over social media. I didn't know what else to do to jump into the helping. So I um, threw my hat in the ring for school board. That's the, that's the only thing I knew to do because I knew without a doubt that our current school board was not doing what was best for our kids and it needed to stop. We needed, and then I also learned that only one person on the school board even has a kid attending school in Davis School District. They have- Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. They do have grandkids, but that's not the same. You're not dealing with a day-to-day when it's your grandkids and not your kids. And we need more actual parents on the school board representing the family. The, te- the you know the superintendent and the district that's that's the teacher's side that's who's representing them they have lots of representation over there and i'm not saying that 
the school board shouldn't take into consideration how things, how their choices and decisions affect teachers. They definitely should. But again, I don't feel like the school board takes into account the emotional needs of our teachers either. I see just dollar signs everywhere for, like yeah. I said, these, these big special interest programs like SEL, um, standardized testing that we pay for, surveys that we that they want to give our kids about whether or not they, how they feel about stuff that's subjective again. So like I said, it's like giving a 13 year old a surveys, asking them on Monday, Hey, do you feel sad about your life? Well, yeah, today, definitely. But tomorrow they might not. So why are we giving 13 year olds these surveys? Um, that again, are costing the district a lot of money. And I just see all these things. I'm like, what would happen if we did away with all of that and actually put those dollars directly into the classroom? I would love to see a voucher system for our teachers. Say, here's a voucher. You obviously need to show receipts, um, not just run off to Mexico with it. Like I'm sure a lot of them would <laughs> want to. I'd want to. Oh, yes. But, and um, see how that goes. Like put it directly into the classroom. We've heard, heard for so long, oh, we need to reduce class sizes. We need to reduce class sizes. But I have never seen any actual action taken towards doing that. And now I see all this waste at the district level. And I'm thinking if we took all that and put it into the classroom, we could reduce class sizes, which would increase the academic standard. And it would help with the kids' social, emotional well-being because they're not having to compete with 25 other kids for academic attention or attention in general. Yeah. Um, less kids would fall through the cracks as far as academics. And if there was an actual, uh, let's say, abuse going on with a child, a teacher is more likely to pick up on that and recognize it if she doesn't, if she has 15 kids instead of 30 in the classroom, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like we've been talking about reducing class sizes for so long. Yeah, that's the one thing that they'd never work yep. towards. And so at this point, I almost feel like it's on purpose. Like, are you purposely trying to overwhelm the teachers and, and get the good ones to quit? I don't know. I don't know what, because to me, it's common sense. And I don't know if I'm just not seeing something and I'm just being naive about it, but I, I haven't seen it anything implemented to actually work towards that smaller class size. And yeah. instead I see them doubling down on um, failed curriculum like Common Core. And now that's um, a disgrace. You know, that's all. <laughs> it's, it, it has been. And now it's been around for, for 10, 15 years. And yep. it, it's, it is awful. It's been awful from the beginning. And yet we're just going to keep on doing it, keep on doing it because no one wants to say, Hey, this wasn't a good idea. Let's scrap it. And, try something else no one wants to yeah. be that person and i have no so, problem well, I, i'll admit i'm wrong all day long if i am yeah well i i mean that that shows a level of humility and uh I, there, there's a lot of people that don't want to admit something like that and so they'll just fight to the death to to make sure that they're yeah. not wrong uh one thing i wanted to ask about was specifically the parents because you you were saying that um you would notice all the screen time which you know, 
there's a lot of the school stuff I can relate to because, like I said, it wasn't that long ago. However, the the screen thing is something entirely new, nothing I ever had to deal with. Um, are there other parents also who are getting involved seeing this? And if they're not, what do the parents that you talk to, um, are, are they, like, receptive to this message? So I am finding that a lot of parents are just not even aware how much screen time their kids spend. They, they don't think that's what they send their kids to school to do. Um, kids get more than enough screen time at home and they have their iPads or laptops in the classroom. And then on top of it in elementary school, they have computer class every week. So they have a whole room dedicated with, you know, 50 computers in it for each kid to have to learn coding or typing or, or whatnot. Like, so they have a specific class already for that. And then they still spend a lot of time on their devices in the classroom. Um, and, and not every teacher is like that. Um, some teachers utilize it way more than others, but at, for, depending on the administrator, uh, some teachers are told you don't have a choice. You need to make sure these kids are using these platforms and know how that's to use scary. them. That's scary. That is scary. And uh, it really hit home this last year because my sixth graders teacher had them spending about 90% of their class time on their laptops. She would kind of go over a concept a little bit and then say, go do your work on your platforms on your laptops. And I had multiple children from my, my sixth graders class tell me that they had, didn't understand something and they'd try to ask their teacher for help. And she'd say, well, I already explained that. Go, go back and try again. And, and so, like I said, not all, and again, not all teachers are created equally. I will never say that every single teacher is just amazing and, and loves children. They, they, they don't. That's the dishonest thing to say. I'm not going to ever say that. They're not all great, amazing angels who have come to earth to serve our children. They, they're human beings and they're, they're all different. Um, and unfortunately, both my two older children, sixth grade teachers, my oldest went sixth grade, in my view, should be one of the best years because it's your last year of elementary school. I remember sixth grade as being one of the funnest years of my education. And both of my kids who have been through sixth grade now, they, they were about to lose their sanity. Um, I had to put my oldest in therapy because of his teacher in sixth grade. And um, for my, my sixth grader who spent 90% of her time on her laptop, these platforms that she was using, again, the teachers don't have the time to vet everything on these platforms and neither do the parents. And the companies who own these platforms can update them at any moment. So you honestly never know from day to day what kind of questions are gonna be on there. Um, one of the platforms my sixth grader used was called No Red Ink and it was for language arts. And there was an evening where she was spending over an hour on this platform and she was struggling and struggling and she could not get through um, these assignments because she kept getting everything wrong and it was multiple choice stuff and 
so, and she was close to tears. And I just said, okay, said, let's sit down. Let me read through these with you. And these questions just blew me away. They, they were very, very subjective. So there's no right or wrong answer, first of all. And kids that age are not able to think subjectively. So the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to get frustrated and depressed and have anxiety over it. And that's what was happening with, with her. And, and then her options for answering these questions were again, subjective. It would be, is this statement mostly correct? Kind of correct? A little correct? Not so good. You know, it's like that, how's a sixth grader supposed to answer that? And so she was trying to use logic and, and answer these questions the best way she thought to answer. And she was getting every single one wrong. One of the questions had to do with whether or not uh, stay-at-home moms worked hard. And she said, yes. And she got it wrong. And <laughs> yeah. And so, wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great moment. And then um, I said, okay, Sid, let's change this up. Whatever you think the answer is, respond with the exact opposite and see what happens. And she did that and got every single one right. And so a lot of these programs, curriculums and platforms that our kids are spending hours and hours at school and then at home on, they are not teaching your kids facts. They're trying to lead your kid into a certain way of thinking and feeling about different topics. And so most parents have no idea. I didn't, I had no idea um, yeah. until I started running for school board and started really, really researching into things. And um, it's pretty scary. It's, and there's other things going on that aren't even curriculum related that are happening in our school district, uh, like yeah. the DOJ. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that. So for anyone who doesn't know, there was a, uh, series of incidents, uh, parents got involved, lawyers got involved. Uh, they, they were supposed racist and, uh, discrimination incidents and, uh, nothing was happening with the district for quite a while. So I, I believe it was one of the family's lawyers that went above and beyond and went directly to the DOJ. And yeah. So, so the, the family that, sued the district they signed a settlement the attorney for the family didn't like the settlement and he knew someone at the department of justice so he got in touch with them and they swooped in did this big investigation um our current uh board president and our superintendent uh without any type of vote or discussion signed an agreement with the department of justice and the attorneys for the district encouraged them without um, seeking outside advice or higher at the state level advice from anybody and just signed off on it. Um, and so now the department of justice, they, they just in July, our district, sent the Department of Justice, that's at the federal level for any parents listening, all of your children's information, their name, their race, their age, their grade, everything about them. And, 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 and also handicapped. 
handicap yes. status, I believe, was yes. there as well, which I thought yes. was an absurd level of information. Yep. Disabilities, so. learning disabilities. If your kid takes resource, that's in there. Um, and also all, every same thing with all the employees in the district. They have all their information. They they gave turn that over in July, and they're going to do it again in October. On October 1st, they're going to do another data dump to the Department of Justice. And so with this information, and then they have now set up a tattletale system. There's an app that teachers and well, anyone can have, and they can anonymously tattletale on anyone they want for anything. If they were offended about anything, they can just say, I was offended. This is what happened. No investigation. You are guilty. And then you have to appeal that guilty verdict um, through the district if you're a parent. And the most recent incident I heard about was, again, these are kids. And so kids, one, kids say things without thinking all the time. And now if they oh, do I that, sure did. <laughs> I know, I still do that. <laughs> and, and now your child, if, if they happen to do that, will be put on the DOJ watch list. And as far as we know, indefinitely, um, they say that the agreement is for five years, but that's only if the DOJ decides that the school district has done everything that they think they should have done. So for any reason at all, the DOJ can say, well, we don't believe that you really tried over the last five years and we're going to stay. And, and as we know, once government gets a foothold somewhere, they never let it go. And so without a doubt, the department of justice will be here to stay indefinitely. Um, the agreement will get amendments sometimes. The current board just submitted, and, and both the board and the DOJ have to agree on the amendments. But the current board just did an amendment that is supposed to handicap any incoming board members from doing anything. It's Isn't that convenient? That, yeah, that's very convenient. It states that any current board members and any board members coming in cannot change this agreement. So, and so do, do we know if, uh, I believe his name is Sean Reyes, the, the state attorney has been informed about this and what, if anything, he has to say. I haven't heard. He, the last I heard, um, he just, he, he was shocked at the agreement that was signed. Any attorney that has read through this agreement now is just floored that in, that the attorneys for the, the district would allow it and that the current board president and superintendent and the superintendent Newey signed off on it. Um, and so, but that's as far as I've heard, I haven't heard any follow-up that they've um, gotten any balls rolling as far as helping. Um, so us parents and uh, other people running for the board right now are just hoping with a majority vote on the board, we can at least put a, a damper on, on the extremeness that is happening right now um, 
So like when your kid gets reported for something, they then have to, what I consider go through, um, oh, what's it called? It's, it's like a conditioning um, program and they have to do that before they're allowed to go back to school. And it's yeah. um, a, on Canvas and it's, it's a whole lesson thing and the parents have to do it with them and sign off on it. And, and, and in my opinion, I don't, I would never as a parent, I would, I would never subject, subject my kid to um, something like that, where it's a, it's a program basically telling them they're inherent, if they're white, they're inherently racist and they need to be considerate of minorities. And most kids, especially at the elementary school level, don't understand that they don't like or dislike someone based on the color of skin. They just don't like them because they don't like them. And they may like them just like them one day and our best friends the next day, but we're ruining that. Um, we're ruining any growth that our kids might have. We're handicapping them and we are creating segregation. We are 100% returning to segregation at this point because Yep. Kids are afraid to be friends with each other anymore. We have the Caucasian students afraid to say two words to a minority student for fear of offending, not knowing if they're saying something that's offensive. They don't. But again, the schools are saying, well, we'll teach them what's offensive. We'll teach them what the right things are to say. And then our minority students are being told they are perpetual victims, no matter what they do in life doesn't matter. doesn't yep. matter how much success they have. It doesn't matter how hard they try. They are a victim. And I've talked to parents who are just tired on, on both sides, <clears throat> Caucasian parents and minority parents who don't want this for their children. Um, they don't want their children to feel like they are inherently wrong. They were born bad somehow. And they don't want their children to always feel like a victim. They, they want them yeah. to realize that hard work actually does pay off in a lot of cases and, and whether, um, whether or not uh, you're a good person actually matters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Anyone who finds this shocking, I, I will tell you, you shouldn't because this is going around everywhere. This isn't just in the schools. It, it started just in general public. And, and if you don't believe that you were not paying attention enough because it's all over the place. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a newer version of cultural Marxism. It, it's almost as if we were going through, um, Mao's cultural revolution uh, that the Chinese went through in the sixties. Um, it started in society and then it moved into the schools from what I can see, uh, from what I've seen uh, all of all across the country, there's a lot of these programs teaching kids, whatever at any point in time, it's all very race based, uh, uh, you know, gender based, uh, pretty much everything not having to do with school. And that is very concerning yeah. to me. Yeah, and and the social emotional curriculum, and again, 
depends on which school your kids are going to on how heavy handed they are with the social emotional learning programs. But eventually I, I fear that it's going to be mandatory schools, individual, individual schools and teachers won't have a choice as to how much of it's implemented into their classrooms because they want it implemented into every subject, every subject. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's science class. It doesn't matter if it's math class. They want it in every single subject. And they are literally teaching our children to view themselves and everyone else around them through this lens of race and gender. And it's just, I want to go back to kids being able to develop friendships based on similar dislikes and likes. And, and that's where they find their people and not have it be solely based on something as shallow and arbitrary skin color. Yeah. Uh, so the the current board also uh, part of the DOJ agreement was that um, kids can now uh, put together clubs, school funded clubs based on race. And race, <laughs> I know. I I'm like, what do you do in that? Where do you just sit around and talk about your skin color? Are um, we gonna and, have and, and, we gonna have the uh, uh, the young Black Panthers now, or yeah, like... it, it's and that's just it. it's like is this group just to be to learn how to be a, a social activist? Is that what these groups are for? I don't know. Um, it's in my mind. I think okay. Oh. Well, there's always been like a Spanish club. Well, the Spanish club to me is very inclusive because it's anyone who's taking Spanish. It's anyone who's interested in. A lot of times they just eat chips and salsa, which is obviously very inclusive. Everyone loves that. And, yeah. um, you know, things like that or a chess club, kids who want to learn how to de develop that skill or just have a friendship group of people who like to do this and, and, and do it with them. Um, and it doesn't matter what color of the rainbow you are. You can go in, you can be welcomed, yeah. you can be part of that. And to me, basing clubs off of off of race is very exclusionary. It 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 divides you and it segregates you, um, yeah. segregates our kids. And and it's just it, to me, it's a it's a bizarre concept um, to allow it. Uh, another thing, another topic I wanted to touch on for those who may not be aware, because there's this big push um, saying that many of us parents are trying to ban books in the school libraries. And I can guarantee anyone who says that has not read the books that we're talking about. Or they are bad um, faith actors. Right. Anyone who truly believes that the books that, that we're talking about needing to be removed from our school libraries um if they have read them and they think they are good for kids to read you are a groomer 100 i have no problem calling you that to your face you yeah. are not what's right for our kids and right now because there's been such a big push from parents school boards around the state have finally 
um, well, and, and the, the new laws that have been passed at the state level uh, that the schools supposedly are supposed to follow, but they are doing it again in government fashion in such a slow manner where committees have to be formed and every book has to be read and um, it has to follow these guidelines. It's going to take probably four years to get through the books that we're talking about instead of, hey, let's better safe than sorry. Let's pull the books, review them. If they're fine, put them back. Um, and then another thing that people keep saying, oh, you just want to ban books that have gay characters. I'm like, I don't care if there's gay characters. If you can have a gay character without talking about them having sex or being sexual. Yeah. Great. Just like you can have straight characters in a, in a story without ever mentioning that they're straight or ever mentioning yep. who they have sex with. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what this, this thing is with adults right now feeling the need to declare who they have sex with to children. Um, so I, is, I remember when I was in school, I, I actually had a gay teacher and it was, it was interesting because, you know, the question came up like, what does that mean? Or like, who's that? Well, you know, that's, that's my husband, but that's something you talk to your parents about. You know, I never had a teacher wanting to talk to children about any sort of not school appropriate topic at all, ever like that never right. would and, have happened. And that's another thing is I, I, again, the sixth grade teacher that my child had used her class as a therapy group. She, those kids <laughs> knew everything that was going on in her personal life, everything. And I that's so thinking wrong. back on my teachers. I'm like half the time I didn't even know if they were married or had kids because yeah. They didn't feel the need to declare any of that. Um, and, and I wanted to confront that teacher and my sixth grader cried and begged me not to. She said no, because other parents have already done that. And she embarrasses the kids in class. And so Oof. we have left the realm of professionalism when it comes to some some teachers, and again, not all. Obviously, most are are just there trying to teach. Um, yeah. But our teachers go to training after training after training on how to interject social concepts into their classroom. But, but for some reason, I don't feel like they're taught, hey, it's not appropriate to share all your personal issues with your class, with your 12-year-old class yeah um it's not appropriate to tell you know this year in seventh grade she finds out she's like oh well my my um one of my teachers it's it, i'm in her least favorite class i was like did she say that and and she said no a kid who was in her class after she told that class we were her least favorite class and then he told me and wow. I said, so, yeah, so, and I sympathize with teachers. I truly do. Not every class is going to be your cup of tea. Not every child is going to be your cup of tea. They definitely aren't mine. Um, but express those feelings to your, your colleagues, not to the children. You know, it's just, are our teachers being taught or trained 
there needs to be boundaries boundaries yeah um between you, you know, and your class one one thing i think a lot of people don't address as well is uh, also the the people who certify teachers exactly who are they certifying how are they vetting these people and uh -huh. how are a lot of these people getting into the classroom um i don't i don't think pretty much anyone really talks about it or really thinks about it other than the people doing it. Um, there's, there's a lot right. of people who end up in the schools who should have no business. You know, they, they should be on a list somewhere saying stay 300 feet away from the school. So, you know, it's, it's really concerning that it's just kind of happening. Nobody's talking about it or even doing anything about it and thinking everything's fine. Right. And, and it is true that, it's just another one of those professions, a lot of professions within the government spectrum, as long as you check certain box boxes, you're good to go. Um, you got that degree, good to go. You, you know, filled your hours, you're good to go. Um, and we're talking about people who spend so much of their time with children. And, and I don't know if there's a certain personality that starts acting like a child or acting like a teenager because they're around them all the time. Um, I could see that happening, but I do feel like there needs to be more discussions in these teacher trainings about boundaries. Uh, these are other people's kids. They're not yours. Um, and if there is an issue. The thing is, is like, I've never seen one thing where the school encourages the kid to go talk to their parents ever. I, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I haven't seen in anywhere where the school says our first step is to get the parent involved. And that's another idea I had the other day. I was thinking, you know, with all these things, this being with money being spent on it in our school district, if we eliminated a bunch of the arbitrary, unnecessary, unnecessary stuff. What would it be like if we could hire a family counselor for each school who actually could help children who are struggling with issues at home and help those parents and help the, that family communicate better with each other? That would, but nowhere have we, have I seen where we help the parents and the kids, because again, in our society, outside of public school and everything, there seems to be this growing distance between parents and their kids. Um, and we just don't know how to talk to each other anymore, a lot of times. And I, I blame social media again, um, or just- that, that is a big chunk of it for sure. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these programs, they want every child to participate in it. Not every child needs that, but you're forcing them into it. Um, and so then you're you're taking away resources from the kids that desperately need it. And yeah. you're again, spreading the teachers, you're spreading the teachers too thin, you're spreading the administration too thin. Um, it's, let's bring it back in. Not every child needs you to be their their best friend. Not every child needs you to be their therapist. 
Okay. There's many, most children at school come from stable families, but we are operating right now under the assumption that most don't and that every, you know, so every child needs to be part of these um, social emotional programs. Yeah. The the parents aren't good for them, but it's okay because I can step in now and I can be good for them. And that, that that is a, yeah, exactly. And that, that is such an absurd stance to take. It's, it's the, uh, the moral authoritarian, somebody who thinks that they're, or will do the right thing regardless of what it takes. And I use right thing, of course, you know, objectively. It depends on who you're, you're talking to. Um, And one of the, and the thing is, is like moving on, I had no idea that I was going to have to worry about this, this level on this end of the spectrum. I thought coming here, my kids were going to have problems making friends because they're not part of the Mormon faith. And, um, I, we're not really, we're not religious family at all. And when I see these things being implemented in school, I'm like, well, that's basically religion to me. Like you are teaching them your version, your religion. And just like I don't mm-hmm. want um, pastors and preachers and bishops coming into the, this, my kids' classrooms and trying to convert them to their religions, I don't want you converting my child to your um, political religion either or your social religion. Um, exactly. So that's 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 where I'm coming from. I, I see these things happening and it it's very very similar to uh, religious fanatics who think that if you don't convert to the, my way of thinking and feeling about things, then you got to go. Yeah. Well, that that's what's interesting. Um, during Mao's cultural revolution, they had actually destroyed religion, Christianity particularly. And they usually do this um, based in the idea to make people believe that uh, the state is their religion from that point. And if you notice a lot of these um, these thought leaders in this uh, th- th- that are pushing a lot of these ideas, not just the ones going along with it, but the ones pushing it, uh, they are all in favor of the state and everything it does. And that should be concerning regardless of what side of the political aisle you fit on, whether yes. you're religious or not, um, because of what school should be, what it used to be. Uh, and it wasn't even that great when it wasn't this. You right, know? right. So, and it's just gotten much worse. So right, and what, sorry, go one, ahead. One, one thing I kind of wanted uh, to touch on is what exactly do you hope to get done uh, if elected to school board? Well, my, the things I'd like to get done are, are big asks. So I'm honestly trying to be realistic and I just would like to tick back a, a bit of what's happened. I honestly would love to see the social emotional learning program cut, gone. I don't need you teaching our kids that. Um, I would love to see um, less intrusiveness from the Department of Justice. Um, This tattletale system, um, 
just has got to go. I would love to see if there are true issues with racism, then it needs to be addressed 100%. It needs yes. to be investigated and addressed appropriately for that individual situation. But putting a blanket statement over everything and just declaring everybody a racist and every situation racist <laughs> isn't helpful. Um, you lessen the uh, the trauma that someone's experienced from true racism. You're when you declare everything racist, um, your feelings yep. getting hurt isn't racist. And so, but we're teaching our kids that we're teaching, we're, we're misrepresenting what things really are. Um, so two of the people who were in direct line of the complaint that was filed by that family were promoted. They dropped the ball and they got promoted. And so isn't that like interesting? That, yeah. So I feel like, again, like with a lot of the other government agencies, it's a good old boys club. And that if you've been in this industry for your whole entire career and you've held certain positions, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to get any consequences. You're just at the very most, you'll get moved to a different department. And paid administrative leave. Paid administrative leave. Yeah. There's the, the three there, worst it, terms ever. <laughs> yeah. You, you, there's just no, there's no um, accountability at all. And so I would like to see us, I would like to work with the other board members in, in developing an actual process that works that hey, if this is brought up, we actually do need to look into it and see if there's a problem. Um, but again, it used to be, you go, if your child is having a problem, you go to the teacher, like, and if that, if you feel like that teacher is not dealing with it appropriately, you then go to the administration of that school. And then if you, if that is not working and they're not addressing the problem, then you go up to the next level. And so I would like to, and that's what it's supposed to be, but these policies aren't being implemented or followed. And so, um, like if your principal is told something is happening, looks into it, there should be a paper trail saying, look, I looked into this, this is what happened. This is what, you know, these are the people that were involved. And this is why I thought it wasn't a true issue of racism. And then if the parent still feels like it was, then escalate it for sure. But we can't just take every single argument our kids have and turn it into something that's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's I one of the things. I, I have an issue when people say something is one thing and it's like, well, let's agree upon what that one thing is before we start saying it is. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I would love to see happen, an actual safety net for these things and that works. And you know what? If we find that an employee it, it has been found to not be following the policies and procedures set forth and the situation got worse because of it, then there has to actually be real consequences. Uh, nothing will change unless there are. We have consequences for our kids when they don't follow the rules 
there needs to still be consequences in our workplace. Most workplaces have consequences if you aren't doing your job or if you drop the ball so hard that a kid gets hurt. Um, and, and that's the thing in the, in the, in law, it's like, it, you have to be able to show that there was intentional negligence or intentional, um, an intention behind what was done or why, why it was done. And that's hard to do. Yeah. But if we don't do that, then, like I said, everything turns into something it's not. If we, if we don't follow that rule of law. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the things I'd like to work on. Um, I would like to, another big ask that I have is that we scale back on our standardized testing. There are multiple standardized tests that our kids take throughout the year. And so our teachers are teaching to test instead of to mastery of our subjects. Um, it used to be, we would just go over that topic over and over and over again until the children mastered it. And now we're just in such a rush so that they can be that data point, you know, be reduced to that data point and, um, get that funding. And, um, our state has billions of dollars. If we have to let go of some of the federal dollars, I'm all for it. I, you know what, if we have to tighten our belts some places to get rid of those strings attached to the federal government, let's do it. Um, it's in the long run gonna be way better for our kids. And that's the bottom line. What is in, gonna be better for our kids? What's gonna be better for the future kids? Um, and so that's another thing I would love to see happen, just to scale back on that. And um, I would love to work towards, one of the things I want to do is really talk to our teachers um, about what they like, dislike, what they what they have noticed, what differences they've noticed. I, I wanna to talk to our veteran teachers um, who taught before all this stuff was implemented and are still teaching what they've noticed works, what doesn't work, what we need to bring back, what we need to get rid of, what um, we, I feel like we just don't utilize our teachers enough in, in doing that. We're, you know, from the district level down, we just have people swooping in telling the teachers what works and what doesn't work instead of, and so we have these teachers who have been teaching for 20 years saying, well, my system's been working really, really well. Um, uh, one of my good friends, her mom has taught for, you know, 30, 40 years. And she just quit this last year because she's not allowed to teach in the way that she has found works. And she decided she couldn't do it anymore. Um, and, and so, and then also I've um, heard from teachers who quit because they are told they are not allowed to discipline ch minority children in their class, no matter what their behaviors are. Which sounds pretty racist to me. Yeah. So they're held to a much lower standard um, and they're not allowed to discipline them. And therefore they can't teach. If they can't yeah. control their classroom, they can't teach. It's just, it's a free for all. They are nothing more than a babysitter at that point. And teachers aren't there to be babysitters. They're there to teach. Yeah. Um, well, and 
we we have no way of objectively gauging exactly how how effective any teaching method or style of teaching is because it's all standardized and centralized and so we we can't let the teachers be creative let them play on their strengths everyone just has to fit in a box and that's it yes and if you don't all the teachers you're gone yeah all the teachers have to fit in a box and then they are expected to fit 30 kids into a box um i would like to see more innovation from our teachers um they're just i had someone say well maybe teachers don't want to create their own curriculum like yeah some some don't but there are resources for that too Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of teachers who don't want to be handed a big stack a big uh manual and say this is the only way you're allowed to teach these things and and they want to do what they they know works um yeah and i just i don't understand that again i just feel like we're we just want kids to it's like they go to school to learn how to be quiet and obey and follow arbitrary rules and and then they're just conditioned their entire lives like this rule doesn't really make sense but you know, I was told I had to follow it, so I'm going to. Um, yeah. It's it. It's like it. The pandemic is a whole different. Uh, yeah, that ball game. But that's how I felt through the pandemic. There's all these very arbitrary things that they just kept adding in, adding in, and no one knew really why they were supposed to do these things. They were just told to, and people were so conditioned to just. Well, this person has this title they must know what they're talking about they're smarter than me and it's just like as kids well this teacher is way smarter than me that i i you know what do i know i'm just a silly kid um yeah so i I think that's why it's important for parents to really know exactly what's going on Uh, you should at least meet your kid's teacher kind of just know who is spending you know seven eight hours a day with them yeah, uh, that's a lot of time, five days a week, you know, it is, it's, it's so hard to, so many of our parents, you know, they work full time, both parents, a lot of times have to work. And, and then they expect that the education of their children is being taken care of. But it's very, very hard to learn the personality, especially when your kids get older, and they have several different teachers. Um, that I, I, I am completely guilty of doing this. When my kids were in elementary school, I was there. I met the teachers. They knew who I was. Um, I would volunteer for things. And once they hit junior high, it's like, well, they have like eight teachers. Yep. <laughs> and, and I don't, you know, you kind of lose track at that point. And it's, which is such a, crazy thing because that is such a hard time for kids junior high is such a weird time for everything for their bodies for their minds for you know things going on with friends you you couldn't pay me to go back to that there's no amount of money (laughs) no and that's the thing it's like for the since the beginning of junior high it is the worst (laughs) experience well not for everyone obviously there's always going to be the outliers that 
just somehow float look, through. <laughs> yeah. 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 But for most of us, it is just the worst. And now on top of it, we're instead of, you know, one of the greatest things about that time though, was learning how to figure it out, learning how to work through those weird, awkward moments, those embarrassing moments yeah. and figuring it out. But kids aren't allowed to do that anymore. They're not allowed to figure out those awkward moments or figure out, Oh, I shouldn't have said that because that person got really mad at me. Yeah. Um, they're not allowed to do that anymore. And yeah. And that's, that's so odd to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think there was throughout my entire school history. I think I remember one time somebody said one racial slur the entire time I went to school. Like it just was never an issue ever. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the focus, uh, the, the social focus on this is actually creating something for kids to antagonize. Yes. Um, so it, it's going to be more of an issue because it's artificially more of an issue and yeah, you're, it's, you're looking for it. Yeah. Hyper-focus kids are taught. You have to look at this. You have to focus on this. You can't look away. You can't ignore it. You can't think like, well, I don't care about that. You have to care. You have yeah. to hyper-focus on this issue. Um, it's same thing with gender. You have to hyper-focus on this. I'm sorry. It, you cannot tell me that society did not gear, you know, the huge explosion of kids all of a sudden saying they're transgender. You can't tell me society didn't gear them to that. Um, what, what else is a kid going to think? Like they already are in this awkward moment with going through puberty. And then you say, Oh, you, you feel uncomfortable in your body. <laughs> that must mean you're not the right gender. Oh, you must be non-binary. Yeah. Here, that's, read this book and read this book and here, talk to this person on this private chat. Yeah, exactly. And they'll help you know exactly what's going on with your, with yourself and, and your feelings and, and everything. Don't talk to your parents. Don't tell your parents yeah. about this. Yeah. Don't, don't tell your parents kid. <laughs> yeah. That's and so creepy. That's it so is creepy. so, so disturbing. And you don't all of a sudden go from a very, very small percentage of children dealing with this issue to all of a sudden like 10% of them dealing with the issue. It's not, that's not realistic. Yeah. And, um, and then pandering to it, like when in history have we ever bowed down to the whims of a 13 year old yeah. and, um, just affirmed every feeling they've had, they have every thought they have just affirm it, never push back, never, make them actually critically think about what they're saying or thinking or feeling just affirm everything. Well, it's weird. We're doing that with kids and adults now, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, uh, it's the act of actually criticizing it. That is the, you know, the bad thing you're, you're against the bad thing because of whatever, you know, um, that that's absurd. Nothing is above criticism at all period ever. Right. I, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not above criticism. I say things and do things that people don't like. And I get that. And if I yeah. have misspoken, tell me why you 
feel I've misspoken and we can talk about it. But it's it's come down to no more discussions. Name calling is is the rule now. Like if you don't agree, if you ask questions, if you criticize, then you're X, Y or Z. Um, Man, if I was a kid now, I I would be getting in a lot of trouble because I would be saying all the words that you can't say uh-huh. just to antagonize because I was a kid. I mean, that's yeah. what I, that's what I did. It was just different issues. So if I was a kid now, I would be in trouble a lot. <laughs> Except, yeah. Well, the thing now is when kids would do that before they got sent to the principal's office, there was a discussion. Parents were called. That was yep. a huge threat, right? You did not want your mom and dad called. No, and, and now you didn't want like, to be suspended. No. And now, well, they're not going to call your parents. They don't want yeah. any of this said to parents. They want it behind closed doors. But um, also, if you say these things now, well, now the DOJ, get you get to be on their watch list. And um, heaven forbid, when you go apply for college, you can't because you said something offensive in seventh grade. So, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> sorry, you can't go to college because you said this offensive thing in seventh grade and, oh, you want that job? Sorry. Yep. And that's, that's what, and I know it sounds extreme, but I feel like everything happening right now is extreme. And so I don't discount anything. I don't think anything is impossible. That will never happen because look at where we're at right now. We have teachers thinking, oh, I need to ask every child in my class what their pronouns are. First of all, when you're talking to someone one-on-one, like I am with you, I'm not using your pronouns. I'm using your name. Using someone's pronouns is very, I don't know, weird. That would be weird to use in in Yeah, it's grammatically incorrect. Um, Exactly. And and people don't get their own pronouns just like they don't get their own adjectives. Exactly. (laughs) You know, They, they don't. And why do you feel the need to tell my child who you are sexually attracted to? Because that's what you're doing. I don't care if you're straight and married and been married for four years. Mm -hmm. I don't need my kid knowing who you have sex with. Yeah. I don't exactly. I don't tell my, my kids friends. I don't talk about who I have sex with. They don't. Why would I do that? It's weird. I thought that used to be like a normal thing that all adults understood. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a conversation you have with kids. It doesn't matter. But now you just don't. Yeah, but now it's it's being taught that it's good and it's normal and it's affirming and you are being inclusive and and oh, and that's another thing across the spectrum. So say there is a child who is struggling with their feelings um, regarding their uh, sexuality, and you are demanding that they out themselves. Why yeah. would you do that? That's so for, in my opinion, no matter what your kids who don't feel the need or don't even know what you're talking about, they, they don't need to tell you and kids who maybe are struggling with things like that and are terrified of revealing it. You're pushing them to that. You're going to out them to the entire school. Yeah. Which puts a target on their back. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this, this stuff really isn't helping. I mean, there, there was a friend of mine that had come out in high school and he didn't come out to a teacher. He didn't come out to any 
administration, he came out to his friends. Mm-hmm. That that was his support, not the teacher, not the administration. <laughs> you know, and exactly. And I, you know, I have multiple family members who are gay, and they don't feel the need to go around and declare it to everybody. They don't post about <laughs> it. They don't. It's not their personality. <laughs> it's yeah it's it doesn't define their whole state of being and so yeah. they don't feel the need to constantly declare it everywhere they go yeah and so but that's what we're teaching our kids right now is like you must declare this this one thing that defines you if it's your skin color that's what defines you if it's your sexuality that's what defines you nothing else yeah. you must focus on this because that is the one big thing that defines you as a person. So now everything about you has to revolve around this one thing. Instead of it, we used to want to encourage our kids to be well-rounded um, and experience multiple things to find what they're interested in, to, to develop talents in different areas and, yeah. and likes and dislikes. Uh, but right now it's like, oh, well, it's like giving a kid a book, a fantasy book. And that kid liked it and then telling them, well, you're not allowed to read any other genre because you said you liked fantasy. Yeah. So obviously you're not allowed to read anything else because this one time you said you liked fantasy. So that must be the only thing you like. Yeah. It's, it's odd. I, I always think about, um, what if we were doing this with hair, hair color or eye color or what dominant hand you have, like, we're going to have left-handed supremacy. You know, yeah. like, it's it's odd to me because it's just as important as your hair color. It, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Well, it's, so my oldest has very bright red hair and it's very big. It's poofy. And yeah. his friends always tease him about how he has no soul because of it. <laughs> the ginger jokes. <laughs> Ouch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And. Yeah. And it's a joke and it's, you know, and my son knows it's a joke, but, and he knows that's not what define his hair is not like this all defining thing. It's just less yeah. like something that they might joke about once in a while, but it has nothing, you know, yeah. And I'm sure sit he around gets and talk them. about that all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure he gets them back with some joke and right. It's what kids do. Yeah. Especially boys, boys. Oh yeah. It's like, how they sh- it's their love language mm-hmm. oh yeah you you're uh terrible to each other in front of your face and you stick up for each other behind your backs that's yes kind of how we are and and you don't ever grow out of that as a man by the way <laughs> you know i still do that with my friends so yeah you know and and so it's and to me the rest of this is the same as is is that it's like well, what if all of a sudden my son was told you have to be offended if anyone mentions your hair? What if, you know, he was told this is the only thing that matters about you? Like, where's the rest yeah. of him go? Yeah. It's it's a very scary prospect. And it's even scarier how many people are just going along with it and not calling it out. And so I'm, I'm genuinely glad people like you are calling it out 
Um, that that's one reason why I wanted to have this conversation. Um, this has no place in schools. And of course you're not the only one. There are plenty of people across the country, but I, I believe every single uh, person like you and others need to be called or need to be shown and highlighted that this is an issue and it is okay to say something. I do want to say to my fellow parents, if you're not going to get angry about this, what is worth being angry about? If you're not going to stand up for your kids and speak out, talk to your principals and your teachers and don't be afraid to tell them this is not okay. Call the your school board members, call the superintendent. You have got, you are your child's advocate. If you're not advocating for them, then they're, the school is going to take them from you, okay? If you are not gonna advocate for your child, then what are you doing? Yeah. Be brave, be bold. You don't have to always be the nice guy. You, I, I have found that it's like parents are afraid of offending. They're afraid of being labeled that crazy parent. They're afraid of, um, they're just afraid. They're, they don't want to be a pariah in their community. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I've been the, that crazy person for so long now. I just, I don't even care. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Don't bring this topic up in front of Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I think we'll wrap up on that. Um, thank you so much, Jenny. Uh, this, this has been great and I want to get you back after the elections and we can talk about how everything went and uh, what, what you'll do from there, uh, regardless Perfect. of the result. Yeah. Um, so uh, let everyone know where they can find you and, uh, you know, what you have going on, important dates or whatever. Okay. I have a website, votejennystoker.com. Um, you can go there and see more of my platform. You can email me from there and ask any question you want. I will respond. Call me out. If you think I'm totally wrong, I will respond. Um, if you want to help, uh, you can donate from that page and, um, I will post any events, uh, meet and greets. Uh, we don't have anything finalized quite yet, but, uh, any meet and greets I will post on my website and thank you, Jacob. Thank you so much for giving me a platform and a voice. Of course, of course. Um, Feel free to go ahead and share this wherever, um, you know, people really like this long form content and, um, it's a lot better than sound bites like we're used to. So yeah, feel free to share this everywhere and including you, anyone watching this, make sure and hit that like button and the subscribe button. Um, I'm pretty much being soft censored on pretty much all platforms. So you can help fight against that by doing something very simple, hitting the like, hitting the subscribe hitting that share button and uh, we, we can uh, fight the big tech overlords by getting this conversation out there to other parents who might not know what's going on, who will get angry after finding this out or even just them getting curious and start asking questions, which is where all of this starts. Yes, yes. please get curious, please. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just go ask, ask other people, look into it, research, please research for yourself, parents, please. Yes. Thank Question you. everything that's always said. 
So that's yes. a big tenant, big tenant of this uh, platform and everything I believe. So thank you once again, Jenny, and uh, hang you. out and uh, we'll wrap up behind the scenes. All right. Thank you. All right. Until next time, stay free, my friends. <laughs>